0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Premier League nightclub podcast. My name is Damon and Woody, we are just going co-op again tonight. We are
1: Damo, but you know what, you've come up Come off a pretty rough week with your wisdom
0: teeth being taken out. How is your face feeling? <laughs> Mate, I'll tell you what, like right now is the loudest I've been talking for about a week. <laughs> Luckily, the swelling's gone down, but yeah, I've had my wisdom teeth out a uh, couple of days ago, so you know, you soldier on for the yep. nightclub, got to d- deliver the news to the people.
1: <laughs> and Sammy's not with us yet again?
0: D- don't know what his
1: excuse is this <laughs> week, but no, nah, I'm sure... No, nah, he's a busy man, Full t- full-time work, yeah. takes its toll. Well, wonder,
0: well, do you reckon you'll listen this week because he did. He, he did, did make it clear that and he, he listened. He let last us week. know about it as well, didn't he? Yeah. All right, Sam, out here again. If you do listen to it, message us straight away so that way we know exactly when you when you <laughs> listen to it. Alrighty, um, Woody. It was a massive week in the Premier League this week, obviously because of Manchester City and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Liverpool fans must be very happy, mm-hmm.
1: mate. You'd be over the moon if you're Liverpool fans because I tell you what. We congratulated Garby a few weeks ago, <laughs> but looks like the cat is out of the bag and Liverpool have the title. Are you calling I, it? I, I, you have to. How can you not? How can you not?
0: Yeah, I think this is the biggest lead anyone's ever had at this point of the year other than maybe a Man United team of you know the late 90s. And I think they won the league as well. That it was, year, so. you know,
1: the last team to lead by more than eight points at this point in the season was 99 Man
0: United and they won the <laughs> treble. Gee whiz. Yeah no, I think this Liverpool side—they're just showing incredible ruthlessness. Like obviously, we're going to go out, go in depth of the game soon. But another team that, have you know, snuck to second, to Leicester City, who we're going to talk about as well. Oof, and you know, you know, you know, lo- my love affair with the Foxes, would you? I- Love what they're bringing to the table.
1: Likewise, mate. You know my love affair with Sheffield, so (laughs) we all know what they did to Tottenham on the
0: weekend. (laughs) Anyway, Woody, other than those results, would you care to hit us with the quickfire results for match week 13, I think it was. Yeah,
1: it's 13 this week, Damo, so let's get straight into it. To kick off the round, Watford beat Norwich 2-0 with a red card. Burnley down West Ham 3 0. Everton beat Southampton 2 1. Leicester down Arsenal 2 0. Man United beat Brighton 3 1. Chelsea down Palace 2 0. Newcastle beat a pretty strong Bournemouth team 2 1. Sheffield, the Blades, mate, drew 1 0 with Tottenham. The Wolves <laughs> beat Aston Villa 2 1. And to cap it off, the game of the round. Probably the title decider. Liverpool beat Man City. Crushed
0: Man City. Three, one. Well, it's funny you say crushed because, I mean, I'm happy to just get straight into this analysis here. All right. We have to. Because uh, it's funny you say crushed because watching the game, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like, let's just say, I've got a scenario here for you. It's a bit of a strange one, but I'm just like looking at it from a casual point of view, okay? If you were at the pub and you had a beer in your hand and you were watching the game... And you were looking up, you know, for the first 20 minutes, every now and then you're in the middle of a conversation, you're looking up, I can, I would guarantee that that person, if the score wasn't being shown, that they would assume that Man City would be the better team. They they constantly had the ball. Like, we know that City always That's had the ball. That's the way ball, City yeah. play. But the way they were attacking, they. I'm not going to say they didn't deserve to be 2 down come 15 minutes in, but the general play didn't reflect the score line. That's yeah. what I'll start with anyway. C- completely, completely agree
1: with you, Danimo. And... And the way City play, there is no team they're going to come up against and not look like they're having not having a shot, shotting with with the win or, or gaining points. That's true. They're never that going to true. be run over by teams. And the reason why I said crush is because for a City team to concede three goals... In the manner they did as in well. In the manner they did as well. It's, I reckon it says... More about City than what it does about Liverpool. Yeah, I, I actually seriously, and agree because I know that. a lot of people are getting on in Liverpool's train and saying, "Hey, yeah, look, like these title winners now, eight points ahead, thirteen weeks in, whatever." But I honestly reckon it says more about City
0: than what it does about Liverpool. Well, on that, have we overrated them from a this season purely perspective? Because if there was any other team in that league in this in this league with the defense they had, surely we wouldn't even be considering them. As title contenders, right now with their injuries,
1: mm, I'd probably agree with you there. I think Fernandinho is consistently getting caught out. He's a good player, but he's not but a good. He's not mate. making the transition well at all, and it was definitely shown during this game as well. But like, oh man, to be honest with you, to be, I, City's defense is a huge issue. Yeah, 100%. and I think. I think maybe their resolve and their mental capacity, if they can't run over teams and they don't have a history of running over teams, then I reckon they're probably not as tough as what Liverpool
0: are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Actually, just on like their defence mentality, obviously having Fernandinho having to play as a makeshift centre-back doesn't help, but I think... One other thing is the form of Kyle Walker. For that third goal, he completely lost Mane at the back post. Oh, mate, stranded. Yeah, he was I, in no man's land. And I think maybe that's why Pep's been reluctant to try Kyle Walker as that centre-back and play their signing, Cancello, as right-back. And so I think it, like that would be a really viable option for them. But Pep seems reluctant to do it. He seems reluctant to play Cancello in a lot of games, to be honest, thus far this season. Of course, maybe not happy with his defensive abilities. He did play as a right midfielder at times at Juventus, but I'm you know, going a bit off topic here. But I'm just saying that perhaps you know, uh, Pep definitely went in on the weekend with the mentality that we're going to beat them 5-4. He, he backed his attacking players in, and unfortunately they didn't deliver and their defense didn't hold up pretty much as Pep expected. But yeah, it just wasn't their day. But if we transition, I guess, from, from City's defense... Into City's attack,
1: mm-hmm. like Damo. I know you tuned in and you were very keen on the game.
0: What do you What do you diagnose City with? Look, to be honest, as I said, that they were creating chances. On a different day, City could have scored, and obviously, we'll get to that handball decision for the first goal. But I do just want to quickly touch on Raheem Sterling. Look, obviously, all the talk is going is this week has been about his, you know, incident yeah, with, with Joe, Joe Gomez. Gomez. Joe Gomez, obviously, being banned from performing for England. I think it's for about the next two games. I'm, I, I, I think it's I think it's just one the one match ban. Yeah, something like that. But he's still he's still there. He's still yeah, training he with is. them. Um, and he he posted on during the week on Instagram saying that we you know, cut, Gomez long, long story short, are,
1: he, yeah, Gomez and him are yeah, good. We move they're on. fine, and that emotions, emotions are, take over yeah. and whatnot. But
0: it. That's the way players react, and that's the end of the story. But back to the game, I just on Raheem Sterling, he actually... I, I thought, I'm being harsh here on Trent Alexander-Arnold, but I thought from a defensive point of view, he taught him a lesson. I thought Sterling ran him ragged. And if it wasn't for... Actually, Lovren's really good performance well, at centre-half, it could have been a different day for the Liverpool because Raheem Sterling was by far City's best player, he was unlucky not to score, and a reason City didn't score along with Sterling is probably because they didn't get much help from Sergio Aguero, who just simply cannot score at Anfield.
1: Well, tell you what, well, we talked about it a few weeks ago as well, and it seems whenever these teams stick an extra man on Aguero, he gets he gets extremely lost and he gets compressed, and he, he just hasn't. Does, he's not afforded the space that he usually is. And we know Pet talked about. Um, the way I think it was what Wolves played. Yeah, yeah, yeah Wolves think... played a few weeks ago. Um, with the defensive tree. Oh, sorry, Southampton. Yes, yeah, the way right, the right. way Southampton played. Um, if you compress Aguero's game and you can't afford him a space, you can't afford him a touch. It's very rare that he's going to be able to have, you know, ha- have the ability to score. And likewise, in this game, the way Van Dyke and Lovren sort of compressed him together. That that very many times when City were playing through the wings, you'd see Lovren and Van Dyke both
0: mark Aguero. Yeah, they were almost willing to give uh, Sterling, and I think it was Bernardo Silva, a little bit of space. A little bit of wiggle room as well, and that's
1: the thing. And and maybe that's a blueprint of how to stop Aguero because we know how prolific he is as a striker. But it seems if teams are figuring out that if you defend
0: him in a certain way, he's gone, Mm. then... It is a traditional way of defending Against big teams. But I think Liverpool brought an extra element well, to it's it on a, the way it's, it's
1: a traditional way of defending against big strikers as well. Yeah. And uh, although Aguero is not physically big. He's a, he's a he, big he's, moment striker. Yeah, <laughs> He is. He is. He is. Um, but yeah, I just... Uh, and, and for his hoodoo against Liverpool as well, in all competitions for Manchester City, he's never scored at Anfield. With the 14 shots he's had,
0: not had one goal. 14 shots... Actually, is isn't that many when you think about how many he's played at Anfield. So it just shows how poor he plays at Anfield. But even when you think about it, Aguero only
1: takes about two or three shots a game. Yeah, that is true. It's pretty prolific. So it's probably, it's probably five to seven games. Not, I, I don't
0: have the tally, but that that probably says enough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I touched on Alexander-Arnold, and I feel like I talk about the Liverpool fullbacks a lot. Yeah, look,
1: I think Alexander-Arnold is definitely a good talking point because, as you said, Sterling didn't run him ragged. Yeah. And at this game especially we've seen this season, the, the influence that Liverpool fullbacks have had on on the play so far. I and mean, we'll, If we look at Robertson and Alexander-Arnold combined, they've had 30 assists between them since the start of 2018-19 season. And I've seen on Facebook, I've seen on social media yeah, that... Everyone's doing the comparison. The comparison stuff for these players that have been injured for most of the season <laughs> anyway. But Alexander-Arnold in particular, because I, I believe Andy Robertson is impeccable defending. Yep. A- and he, he is... Head and shoulders above what Alexander-Arnold is. the best
0: left Arnold back is. in the world now, would
1: you say? I'd probably say so. Yeah. And anyone that's putting shouts towards Marcelo, you clearly haven't watched global football For in the last 18, four huh? years. Yeah, yeah <laughs> honestly. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Andy Robertson, probably, yeah, good shout I probably the best left back in the league, sorry, in the world. Yep. Um, but, but head and shoulders above Alexander-Arnold in a defensive sense. And I think that showed as well in this game um, because – you know, Silver was very quiet. Um, and even though he did score that consolation goal, Robertson did keep him extremely quiet on the right wing. But then, as well, I think with Alexander Arnold, he wasn't made accountable for Sterling. And I think that's almost the freedom that Liverpool play They're with it With that. their lopsided 4 3 3, is that Alexander Arnold has afforded that space to move up the wing.
0: Yeah, and actually, it was if Pep, oh not Pep, sorry, Klopp spoke about it after the game, how he tweaked it at halftime. Once they had that 2-0 lead, as, as we've said all throughout this episode so far, that City, City had their chances and quite easily it could have finished 2-2. I'm not sitting here and saying you know City stuffed up a chance and Liverpool went down the other end again in the second half. But what I'm saying is Liverpool actually changed to a 4-4-2, more traditional 4-4-2. Once they had that two-goal lead to cover Trent Alexander-Arnold a little bit more and Salah and Firmino... Kept up top, and Henderson was playing as the right winger, which we've seen so many times this season, and of course got the assist to Mane. Um, so I feel like we've pretty much done that game pretty well, Woody. But we can't talk, can't finish talking about it without just straight up let's get stuck into this first goal, the yeah. handball situation, and we'll finish it up there. So yeah. handball, yeah. Do you, I've watched it a hundred times.
1: And, and you can watch it on our Insta as well at Premier League Nightclub. It is our goal of the week—the Fabinho yeah. goal. We have included the handball uh, incident, the handball incident, which was the lead-up play beforehand. So you can head to our Insta and have a look at that goal and and let us know what you think in the comments. But Damo, what was your take
0: on that incident? At watching it live, yeah, I thought penalty straight away. I actually thought the ref was going to give it as yeah. soon as it hit Alexander Arnold's arm. He hesitated. Yeah, like the ho- everybody sort of knew. Mm. And, I mean, so yeah, that's me watching it live. Obviously, the play, the build-up play for the Liverpool goal down the other end. The whole time I was thinking, I actually thought, "Gee, I wonder if they if they score here, what will happen?" Because they I'm pretty sure that back. hasn't happened in the Premier League yet this season. Mm. So, uh, uh, well, actually, that's a lie. There have been one or two where, like, you know, at Old Trafford which Liverpool were involved in as well but what I was saying was just like a cl- a penalty shout compared to a goal at the other end like that's never been two massive contrasting situations like that so I and then I watched the replay some may argue that Bernardo Silva's handball before Alexander-Arnold's means that they cancel each other out some might say that Bernardo Silvers was in a natural position and shouldn't count and therefore play on and then once it hits Alexander Arnold's hand. What's your take though? What's your take? My take is probably Yeah, gee, I've bambled on here, haven't I? My take is definitely <laughs> uh I I think I think the right call was made. I agree with I agree with the decision, but I don't agree with the way uh, I don't agree with the way Vaat Man,
1: I disagree, I disagree with made you. It. I have to disagree with you. Right. Because the amount of times I saw that goal putting up that post for me, when I, even when I looked at watched the highlights Reverse of the game angles
0: all that sort of stuff, whatever.
1: But even from eye view, I couldn't even tell it hit Bernardo Silva's hand in the penalty box until I rewatched it in in different views. Because yeah. if you watch it on the telly or your computer, or whatever you watch it on, you can't see it. Yeah. And then they showed it in a different view, but then for me, Alexander Arnold's arm is in such an unnatural position. It's flung out the side, and I don't understand how that couldn't be given. Yeah. I, it was a genuine scoring opportunity as well. It's, it was For me, it was clear cut. It was extremely obvious, and we've seen VAR give it
0: for less. Yeah, for sure. I, this is just like what I was touching on just for a second. The VAR decision was no penalty, obviously, but the justification after the game was they felt that the, the handball against Alexander-Arnold wasn't, you know, Enough to interfere with players. But, you, so, but uh, that's where I disagree in that I feel like the goal shouldn't have stood because it hit Bernardo Silva's arm. But,
1: but I'd say what, another thing that really annoys me as well, and I, I've been off my chops about VAR so far this season. Mm. But if you look at the AFL system, and I know I'm switching codes, I'm switching countries. For those that don't know, AFL is Australian. Wait, I didn't know Sam was in this podcast. <laughs> Australian Football League, okay. They can admit when they make a wrong um, it's rare But they umpiring do Umpiring decision They They admit it Whereas VAR Every time Every week They have not admitted Once they've made a mistake They come up with some justification yeah, it's, it's, If that was some other game Some other game The exact same thing happened I'm, I'm gonna will be counting on this happening In the next few weeks Especially after the international break During Christmas When this happens again I'll pull I'll bring it up Because it's It's gonna happen Yeah The exact same situation Is gonna happen And it's gonna be given a penalty
0: Yeah it's it's a really grey area, isn't it? And I think we we're gonna be talking about it for the rest of the season, VAR. So that the league have to sort it out. It can't keep going on like this. Mm. I'm sick of talking about it to be honest. I hate it. It's so annoying. Uh, it's, it seems like every week it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, it's, and it's we look getting at the, ridiculous. I don't
1: know if did you see this Sheffield game? When Lundstrom was given
0: like a fingernail offside. Yeah, I, I thought you, you know, you might be a little bit salty about it, so I didn't oh. want to mention it, but it was uh it was another real interesting call. No, yeah, so I think C- City actually hosts Chelsea uh oh no, yeah, host Chelsea in their next next game. Um so that'll be really big for them. And hopefully they can get some players back because Chelsea are looking the goods as well and could beat Man City at the Etihad. Now Woody, yeah. It is time for Winners and losers. Oi, did someone say winners and losers? Sure did, mate. Yes, mate. I'm
1: very, very keen. And how good? How that that the intro doesn't get Any. worse. Yeah, and it's,
0: it's so good. It's so good. I love it. And you know, Sam <laughs> gave us a shout when he listened to it for the first time. He was surprised, <laughs> and he he enjoyed what we brought to the table. So anyway, oh, Woody. Alright. Who, <laughs> who, who is all right, your so winner? My
1: winner of the week? Is Wolverhampton. They have not lost since match week five now, seven games unbeaten. So they snuck up to eighth on the table. And my prediction um, for them to finish six, uh, Look, uh, I don't want to say it's back on, but it's back on. <laughs> and they beat Villa two one on the weekend, which is massive for them. Massive, massive, geez, for them due to uh, their rivalry with Villa. Um, so there's three certainties in life. Yep. Death. Yep. Taxes. Yep. And that man, Ruben Neves, <laughs> the Smacky one from outside the box. <laughs> he's so he's it was prolific- horrendous defender oh, from it Villa, was might I add. Rid- ridiculous, <laughs> but he knows how to capitalize on balls outside the box. And he has only ever touched the ball four times in an opposition's box in his whole time at the Wolves. And yet he scored six goals. That's insane. <laughs> insane <laughs> nuts um yeah what a display from from santos men and, and with qualification into the final 32 of the europa looking likely um you know wolves are bouncing we saw the success, success they had overseas earlier on in the season we talked about the first
0: three weeks they had a massive goal difference in yeah Europe, massive like
1: it? a 16 16 <laughs> goal goal difference or something after four games so yeah they're on the trot and hopefully they can keep going and, and make my
0: prediction come true damo who is your winner this week? My winner is is Man United. I feel like we had to give them a shout.
1: Surprise, surprise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, nah, similar to Wolves, they've actually snuck up to you know seventh. Wolves, Wolves are eighth, as you said, Woody. But, you yeah, know, United's seventh now. I think you know, it was a pretty convincing win over Brighton. Uh, Brandon Williams made his Premier League debut, and he was absolutely outstanding. 90-minute debut. Yep. Uh, probably man of the match. Probably. Mm. Were, maybe Fred. Oh, but I'd say, oh, I'd say Williams. Yeah, we'll go Williams just just because it was his debut. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I thought he was outstanding. Almost could have got a goal for himself. Chance creation was high for the United boys, and I think they'd be pretty happy going into the international break with that result. Now, Woody, who is your loser? <laughs> All right, so I've been told not to talk about
1: Sheffield this week as my winner because I, I, I harp on about him a little bit too much. So I've decided to make my Spurs my loser because the fucking Blades, mate. <laughs> They were honestly lucky to get the draw at home against um, Sheffield, uh, the Tottenham were, because if it wasn't for VAR, like I said before, Johnny Lundstrom was called offside. They scored the
0: goal. Outrageous. They scored. It was... Fingernails. And it, again, this goes back to the ambiguity of VAR. And because, it was also a second phase of play. The, Lundsum crossed it in and it wasn't even a goal scored. Yes, that. It and was it was a, measured from the end
1: of his arm, not a shoulder or a knee. Ridiculous. So I
0: don't understand. I'm so confused. I can't even talk about it because I'm so confused. I, I don't know. I don't know what's what anymore, to
1: be honest with you. Um, but nevertheless, Sheffield should have won. And it was for the first time ever the Spurs had not, on, not had a shot on target by halftime in their new Tottenham Stadium. Mate, the ship ship is sinking at Tottenham Holes galore Holes galore They sit 14th And I think it's only a matter of time Before we see Potentially One of the first managers leave Or some serious shake-up at Tottenham Because Mm -hmm. uh, either managerial or player level It's not happening for them at all Not happening
0: Something is... Give at some point. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. Damo, who is your loser? My loser is West Ham. And they're probably a team that are lucky to avoid a roasting the last few weeks from us. They've earned one point since the previous international break, and that was against Sheffield at home. They got absolutely hammered by Burnley. And look, we sat here after their loss at Goodison Park, uh, where we spoke about how they could have lost you know, 8-0 if it was a different day, if Everton took their chances. Mm, mm, they haven't mm. improved since then. But a person that's gone backwards is their keeper, Rodrigo. He he was appalling. And I spoke about how good he was at Goodison Park that day. But he made two costly errors. One was horrendous. And, you know, when Fabianski went down earlier in the year, a lot of people thought that might be a real big loss for West Ham. And I think it's starting to prove that they were right. And I, West Ham are a real worry for me. And I think Manuel Pellegrini's position is could be in strife as well. Really? Yeah. I I I think the issue for West Ham... Sorry, I don't want to go off topic here too much. I know we've got things to That's get through. Big. But my issue with West Ham is Pellegrini would go, but if you're West Ham, do you think internally they rate themselves as a top top six club? Like they could potentially break into that top six. At the start of the season, do you think that was their target? Uh, probably have to be. Wouldn't yeah. It would have to be. I, I'd agree with that. So... If, it's, if that's their target, and they get rid of Pellegrini, who are they bringing in? There is no manager at the moment that they can get. I'm not saying they're not going to go get an Allegri. It's West Ham. Pellegrini is as good as they're ever going to get. And he's a proven... He's won the Premier League. Yeah. So that's my worry for them. Any manager they get is going to be a downgrade. And so I think they're going to give Pellegrini time because of that. And unless it becomes a relegation battle, he'll keep his job. But I think he potentially deserves to go, but he won't because of his stature. Do you reckon that they could be moving sh- movers and shakers in January transfer? Uh, I think I think they will want to be. I'm not January is tough to make a lot of business. It tends to be a little bit easier for the clubs not looking to drop 80 million on players. So West Ham might be able to mm. get a little bit of luck in that regard, but I do think that you know what are they going to get one or two players? They've already got a, a great list. They've got a fantastic list, and they're just not performing at the moment. And then, unfortunately, they do have some injuries to got players who haven't played a lot, like Lanzini. I think he, he could work mm. some wonders. Uh, Snodgrass has actually found form in his in his place, but yeah, no, I think they have really struggled this season, gone under the radar. And my boy Yamalenko clearly,
1: like, he hasn't hasn't lifted any any fingers or, or, or improved any form since the international
0: break. Yeah, he's, last international. Yeah, break. he just hasn't come back, has he? No. Nah. Still on holiday. Now, a team we talk about all the time, and a team we probably deserve to talk about a little bit more, they played each other on the weekend, and that was Leicester versus Arsenal. It was 2-0 affair, and I
1: reckon now it's safe to say that Leicester have solidified themselves as a top four threat and a half, and probably a top four team so far this season. Can they win the title? Uh, No. No? No one can beat Liverpool so far this season I don't okay. think but they can definitely finish second yeah you think they can finish yeah. higher than City yeah, yeah I, sure. could, I reckon they could 100% although City have got some uh, other than Chelsea they've got Newcastle and Brighton mm-hmm. who should be maybe 6-0 defeats to be honest with you well, um, by City standards they lost to
0: Newcastle at Newcastle last season last which season was, I know they could did could be a massive game yes. <laughs> for them but yeah I, I think Leicester are, are a team that you know we we know that they have a quality list. Madison and Deedy that midfield is top top quality. I'd actually argue it has the on it today can could beat a Liverpool midfield, depending on who they start. Obviously the Ox coming back probably makes that Liverpool midfield get the chocolates in that situation. Mm-hmm. But I think other than those boys, we have to talk about a guy who's proven to be an absolute weapon. Of a man, weapon of a player, weapon of an individual. Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy.
1: Mate, the the man broke the deadlock with about 30 minutes to go in the game. And after some brilliant one types link-up play from Leicester, scored the goal, which actually takes him to be the highest scorer in the Premier League thus far with 11 goals, as well as the top scorer in the t- 2019 calendar year with 23. Mm-hmm. And
0: if that doesn't say enough about his form, then I don't know what is. He's, he's killing it. And he loves playing against Arsenal as well. And shout out to at DannyTree21. Who we won our Twitter competition? Yeah, question of the week. We're going to start doing that. So follow us on Twitter if you want to answer the question of the week on Twitter. And that's at EPL Nightclub. He guessed correctly, well, maybe not guessed, just knew correctly, that Wayne Rooney, Robbie Fowler, and Harry Kang were the only players to score more goals against Arsenal in the Premier League history. So Jamie Vardy now sits fourth on that list. And I'm guessing he's not done. No way. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I think he's been absolutely outstanding. And I think the difference between him perhaps last season where he was not at his best was that... Maybe the service? Yeah, Brendan Rodgers. Not just the service, but I think if Borderline set this team up around Jamie Vardy, if you look at the way they play, it's fast, it's Mm. in behind... We spoke about that year after they won the league, how teams sat back against Leicester a little bit more, and that's why... Because when you give them possession, they don't have the weapons to score on the counter. Yeah, and so they sat back a little bit against Leicester and Vardy couldn't get in behind. But I think the way Leicester move the ball now, you can't sit behind... You have to get up in their faces, Mm. and it's allowing Vardy all that space in behind that teams know they can't afford to give him, but they they have to at the same time. Well,
1: it shows because if you've got the likes of Madison playing as well on the left, which he has been... Um, by every means it stretches the field. So when it stretches the field, either they have to cover Madison or they have to cover Vardy. Yeah. So either way they're losing either out. So clearly something, you know, is is it's giving working. and well, <laughs> Vardy scored? Madison scored. So both tactics are working for them and you know, and clearly like what they're doing is right and hence showing they're second on the league and pushed City down to fourth. But Damo, what about your boy, Wilfred Indeedy? Mate, Is he
0: making it back into your team of the season rolling XI? If either of you two even try to take him out (laughs) next week, all hell's going to break loose. He leads Europe for interceptions. Leads Europe for tackles. He also... On the weekend, completed the most tackles on the field. He went at 100% passing accuracy inside the opposition final. He he hit the post. He should have scored. He was unbelievable. Three (laughs) successful take-ons. Also made three key interceptions, which he loves doing. And I just... He's insane at the moment. He is the N'Golo Kante... Of Leicester City from a few years ago. And I, I think it's only a matter of time before a massive club comes after Wilfred and Didi. And it's a big, big price tag because players like him are hard to find.
1: Would you say Tillemans is the
0: new KDB? <laughs> Look. I've seen so many shouts saying that he is. He did get the assist for Vardy. I thought it was a really good pass. I think he nutmegged maybe Chambers on the way through. Yeah, but something yeah, like that. I, I thought he I thought he was um he was really good again on the way. He's, had, he's been an outstanding all season. I think he was in our first team of the season, start of the year, and he's probably stiff to fall out. We haven't even mentioned him since. So he's been really good as well. That that midfield at Leicester is unbelievable. But yeah, let's jump let's
1: do a bit of a jump. We'll go through a man that has not been in our good books at by any means.
0: Yeah, and this also has a lot to do with Leicester's midfield. So let's see how we can work this, Woody.
1: Yeah, let's have a look. So Mesut Ozil, we know, was pretty poor, especially, I guess, for a player that wants to make the most of his opportunity. He just came in, just probably got Emery's trust back. I think you'd say. You don't know what happens behind the doors, but definitely from what we speculated. Made progress, for sure. He's 100% made progress. And I think he was he was caught out because, because Arsenal changed themselves tactically, didn't they, Damo?
0: Yeah, I thought Ars- Arsenal... It was, it was smart and dumb at the same time. It was dumb because it didn't work, but I could see the logic behind it. Now, they switched to a three-back, but the problem was they put Aubameyang and Lacazette almost as left-wing and right-wingers rather than strikers, and it meant Ozil was pretty much playing as a centre-forward. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but those two Leicester centre-backs against Ozil, I'm taking the centre-backs every single day of the week, <laughs> Ozil had no influence on the game, But also, neither did Aubameyang and Lacazette. Uh, Lacazette should have scored in about the 20th minute. He missed an awesome opportunity. But the reason they did that was to stop the influence of Pereira and Chilwell. We've spoken about how good they've been. And they actually play a very similar uh, style to Liverpool in that regard of using their fullbacks. But we talk about how very often Chilwell and Pereira have the most touches for Leicester on the field. This week, they were nowhere near it. But guess who had the most? the two Leicester centre-backs, Madison and Tillemans. And of course, I spoke about the influence of Ndidi. So Arsenal playing that three-back, which is meant to make their midfield stronger because you're essentially your wing-backs, and even in this case, Aubameyang and Lacazette, are working into that midfield. But no, they spread them out so wide that Leicester had the whole of the middle of the park to themselves just because they were so worried about the full-backs coming in from the left and right. It made sense, but at the same time, it did not work at all. And one person that didn't help the cause was David Luiz. Now, we talk about him all the time for his defensive liabilities, but I want to talk about when he had the ball. Mm. He had 47 passes as the middle center half for Arsenal. 27% of them went forward. That's unacceptable when you're playing a five-man midfield. You need to get it in there and dominate that midfield. I guess one
1: thing, like, uh, honestly, David Luiz, I don't know where his head at. I don't know where his head's at because you got Holding and Chambers sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand how Luis gets games over these guys. Luis defensively is so weak. So weak. But even in a three, five, two, I think I feel as if he gets he gets caught out even in a four at the back. Because what it does, when he moves forward and when he can't defend that defensive line, it essentially creates a three at the back. So when he's got three there, he's putting the other two under pressure. Yeah, it- that's the thing. I don't understand. And the same thing, these these Arsenal tactics are really racking my brain because we saw it against Sheffield, we saw it against, saw it against Bournemouth, and we saw it against Tottenham as well. When Arsenal attack and they get stuck, they flood the wings. And when they flood the wings, Alba, Laka, Pepe, they all sit there and they sit on the wings. And I don't understand. It's so frustrating to watch. Even I, can't, I can only imagine what it would be like from an Arsenal supporter's Perspective, supporters' yeah. perspective, because when you see your best players consuming the wings and Ozil's marking the centre, yeah. Ozil is marking the centre. It's just not
0: going to work. Never going to work. Do you know Arsenal have changed formations six times in their last thirteen Premier League games? Right. <laughs> That's outrageous. Oh, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And that shows a manager doesn't know but, doesn't know what the best team. But is But it anymore. seems it seems the
1: same thing. They start off every time with a new formation, and they react the same. Every time they go back to old habits, they go back to old habits, they flood the wings and they put people that shouldn't be playing centrally in the center and the best players out on the, out on the wings. Because I reckon Emery reckons Lacazette and Alba will be the best ones to deliver in the center, but they're the best ones to receive the ball. Mm. And I
0: don't understand. And they've got Tierney and Bellerin who can play those wide attacking roles really well. it's the same
1: thing every week, mate. It's the same thing. And I don't understand where it comes from either. I don't understand.
0: One little clip I'd like to say is that in the first uh, month, Sam had Gendouzi in his team of the season, which, okay, that was questionable, but he did have a few good games. Mm. Since probably the international break, like a few players we've spoken about today, ganduzi has been pretty poor. We saw him spear tackle Zaha a few weeks ago. And again, he had pretty little influence on this Leicester midfield. As we said, Leicester dominated him, Ozil, and just that whole complete Arsenal midfield. I think Sabahis has had 45 good minutes all season. As I said, <laughs> Gendouzi's had about two good games. They've, we've overrated this Arsenal midfield from that first month, and I think it's a real concern. It's right,
1: a big call considering we did say that Gendouzi is a worth
0: a captaincy shout in a couple of years. I'm not, I'm not say, sitting here and saying where he's cooked and he's not an Arsenal player. He's only 19 or something, 19 or 20. He's got a huge potential still,
1: but he's put, starting every game for Arsenal. He came from much. the French second league. They put too much responsibility on him because he's, he's covering Xhaka's role and he's creating Ozil's role.
0: Yeah, I think he's a box-to-box midfielder, but they're asking him just to do too much. They're asking him to do everything. Yeah. Mate, when they play out of the back, he's their first option. Yeah, it's not the right, right way of going about it. It's not. It's
1: it's not fair. I don't think it's fair on his development as well either. It's hurting and I, I think Arsenal, with, with Southampton coming up, with the form they have,
0: threat. It's funny you say that though. The Arsenal record against Southampton at home is like outrageous. It's like I haven't won there in years. And then potentially Norwich and Brighton, which should be... Yeah, we say it now. <laughs> we
1: say it now, but then we could be talking about him in three weeks when, when Brighton beat him 3-0. Yeah. So we, we don't we you, you can't predict, but like favorable sort of matchups in the last three in the next three weeks, which hopefully could get a bit of momentum, a bit of Christmas. momentum, and get them back on the right track as well because they're slipping, they're, they're slipping, I and believe they look they're seven or eight points behind fourth now. Yeah, so. and the, the last four weeks, the last four weeks as well, they've been looking horrible. Yeah, it's because I, the cracks are really showing internally, and you see it on the field as well. It trans the plays translating.
0: Was that not good? No. Yeah, look, mate. I reckon Emery's time's ticking. It's not looking good for him at all.
1: Mate, Arsenal, with with two points from the last four games, I, I couldn't put it any other way. It's and, just straight but, up not, look, it's Dam- not good enough. Damon, I'll pose you a question. All right, hit me. Because I'm really intrigued as to see how these next few weeks are going to play out for the Tottenham's, the Arsenals. Okay. Will Emery last the international break, or do you reckon Arsenal are going to be playing their next game
0: Southampton at home with a new manager on the side of the pitch. Now, look, we don't want to go into this too deeply. Like, we talk about Emery again so often. And also, I don't exactly enjoy talking about, you know, these people are human beings. This yeah. is their living. So I don't want to sit here and say the guy should Mate, be sacked. But don't give me that. But? That's BS. Mate. I'm all right, I'm only a bit harsh on Pellegrini about 10 minutes <laughs> Our ago.
1: job is to scrutinise these people
0: far out. All I'm saying, people. All, yes. I'm off. all I'm saying is that I think Emery, he it's it's not really not looking good for him at the moment. But I again I pose the question who else are Arsenal gonna get? They could land a big fish. Yeah, but is Allegri gonna deliver them what they want? Not really. Is Mourinho? Not really. Alright, Mourinho's not gonna win a title at Arsenal because he doesn't Allardos? have a financial <laughs>
1: Can you imagine? That would be unreal. <laughs> that was such a good... <laughs> <That was just> <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I actually... I, it was back to serious. Oh. I actually reckon Arteta... Arteta could be the one that they pinch from City if things keep going the way they are for City. I think Arteta's is gettable. Especially, maybe not this year, but next year. So maybe get a caretaker in until he's ready to coach you know, the first team full-time. But Woody, let's get stuck into our next segment because... I say every week. I, I really enjoy this one. I really do. Y- you have to love it. It's it's on or offside. All right. Woody. Yeah. i mean, going to hit you first here. <laughs> going straight back into Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. The captain's armband at Arsenal is cursed. Uh,
1: look, it's a tough one because there's a few... Few ex captains of note that have that have done, I guess, the dirty on Arsenal. Van Persie left for United. Vermaelen, huge Vermael- drop in I uh, Honestly, I don't know. Da- v- Vermaelen, yeah. <laughs> drop in form and injuries. Arteta injuries. Murdersacker injuries. Koshioni, mate, the way he dumped them to go to the French league with the the, yeah, the reveal. Shirt. Yeah, Jacque told the fans to f off. And then Fabregas pissed off to Barca. Yeah, what does that say? And then came back to the league and still didn't come back to Arsenal. He came went- back to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Meant oh, what does it say? I'll, I have to say offside because I believe if you're referring to the story, oh, yeah, so you've said all that, but you're saying offside. No, but you have to because if you if you if you're referring, you're asking this question purely based on the Alba story during the week. I am. I am about his social media use about troops and Arsenal fan TV or whatever. All right. Uh, 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 it's rubbish. It's rubbish because they came out and said as well, they they put out a video saying that Troops only got a, a picture with him because he went to someone else's fan box. Yeah. It wasn't even Albers. He, he literally just got a picture with him and that he's cool with him because his son's his biggest fan or has yeah. the same haircut or whatever BS it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, It's if it's because of that reason, I'd say offside, but it seems like the Arsenal captain sees like... More so, I think the Arsenal fan base are too scrutinizing on their captain. Yep. They expect way too much for for te- for a team that realistically has probably not played their best football since 2009.
0: Let's yeah. be real. If not before that. If yeah. not
1: before that. So I think it's pretty hard. You're putting 10 years of expectations um, you know, on, on captaincy or whoever puts on the armband. It's pretty stiff. Yeah, for sure. Pretty stiff. So that I'll have to go offside. But Damo, what about, I've got one for you. An image popped up on my uh, <laughs> <laughs> on my Facebook feed a few times this week. And this kicked
0: a- off. This really did kick on off. On or offside, Chelsea is setting the foundations to be a top club again in the coming years. Yeah, this is a big onside for mine. Like we've talked about, you know, Tamori, Abraham, Mount. We can even put Pulisic in that conversation now about how these young boys are really coming through. Um, but uh, just talking like looking off field for a minute, we obviously had that leak of Frank Lampard's uh, fine system he has at Chelsea in place. And look, I mean, some of these are pretty outrageous. Like late for team meetings is 500 pounds per minute. Late to the start of training is 20,000 pounds. Some outrageous things here. Uh, you know, like refusal refusal to not uh, turn up to corporate or community duties is like 5,000 pounds. But I think aside from the money, I know I've, I've seen a few people comment, comment about how the fact that these exist just show that footballers are paid too much. I'm not really concentrating on that. What I want to concentrate on is Look, for the all pr- I know, the it yeah. Every club might be doing this, but all I can take from this is that Lampard's put these systems in place, and it doesn't matter how much people, how much money these guys are making, they want to keep keep that money that they're making. So I think it's setting a, a great foundation, and in a way, you're appealing to in the transfer market to the right type of player. If a, if a troublemaker sees that, he's going to be less inclined to your club to come to your club. Does that make sense? Would you? Yeah, would completely. you agree with what I, I hundred percent agree with you? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Right. All right, Woody, i going to hit straight back at you. Yeah. Man United are facing another potential Paul Pogba situation with Tahith Chong.
1: Um,
0: oh,
1: I'll, I'll go offside because I just don't think Tahith Chong has the ability that Pogba has mm-hmm. or, or within that sort of realm of football stardom. Yeah. Uh, Apart from the hair Yeah I was going to say He probably has the um, (laughs)
0: Potential to be a social media Absolute weapon He's a bit of a Dutch Sideshow Bob
1: that one (laughs) Um, But yeah look I I think I think The The United situation With Tyler Chong Potentially signing For Juve on a free At the end of his contract And not renewing his contract With United Probably boils down to I think We mentioned earlier Like uh, in In a couple of weeks ago We talked about Chelsea's success with loany players. Mm-hmm. We talk about Tammy Abraham scored twenty six goals in the for Villa last season in the Championship. Um, we look at all these players like Ake went out on loan to Bournemouth, and we know he's still there because he's a beast. Like they froth him, mm-hmm. right? He's he's, he's, he's performed. unreal. He has performed. He's, he's been so good, and Bournemouth were willing to pay fork out the money for him as well. Um, but if you look at United, Chong's twenty one. Or. or, or was he, 21? Maybe some, 20. Yeah, I think About it's 20, 20,
0: yeah. He, he's 20, 21. He's not young in terms of not playing first-team football.
1: Yeah, well, he's not playing under-18s anymore, yeah. is he? That's the thing. So when when you look at Chong as a player, why hasn't he gone out on loan as soon as he turned 18? If he's not making first-team, to what? Win the under-18s
0: some success? Yeah. No. And you also look, probably since like that 2016 mark, when Teeth Chong sort of started coming through as a seventeen-year-old into the four, and
1: you started yeah. seeing him, you know, being promoted not, by Manu, it's
0: not like they didn't know that this left these wing positions were strong already. They still had guys like Yanazine, and Depay there at the time, mm. and Martial and Rashford was coming through as well. So you know, like it's not like he was on on the edge at that point. He was miles off. Still, they yeah. should have put I they, sh- they should have put him,
1: him. alone. And I, 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 to be honest with you, I can you can see Greenwood coming through, and he's got a place. But Gomez, on the other hand. Angel Gomez, I honestly think that if United are going to go buy a creative midfielder in the summer or in January, then where's the space for him? Because mm. Matt is still there. Perret is still getting games. Add one more into the mix. Lingard as well. What else What else do you want to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if Pogba comes back and Fred plays that position. That's the thing. Mm. And Pogba could play, play, play that position as well. So I think that comes down to... United's transfer strategy, uh, loanee strategy, I think, which which needs to be changed, has to be changed. Mm-hmm. You got to compromise under eighteen and under twenty three success for the betterment of the club in five years.
0: For sure, you know what
1: I mean. I um, so, Damo, switch a return serve to you mm-hmm. uh, on or offside. Many owe sound soundness an apology for certain comments said on Sky
0: Sports a little bit earlier on in the season. Yeah, for sure. Look. Like- I'm going to say onside for this one as well but before I go into that I do like to say that the criticism he gets sometimes is warranted personally I see his punditry is a little bit he sets agendas and doesn't really get them out of his head so that's something I can't really handle from that but on this in this particular case on this occasion he we do owe him a little bit of an apology and that he basically said he questioned why Juventus got rid of Moise Keane at the end of last year. 19-year-old who had scored a few goals coming off the bench late in the year. Great potential. And they sold him for not a huge, huge price. It was a very reasonable price. I think it was about 30 or 40 million. I think it was 40 million. Yeah, 40 million. That's why. So then he... But of course, people came out and, you know, indicated that maybe this statement he made was based on colour, which would be appalling. That's it's something that people you know thought was the case but that ends up obviously not being the case and this week he was dropped from the team that beat southampton over the weekend because he was late to a team meeting and something tells me now i'm doing a bit (laughs) what Sounders did something tells me to miss a team meeting get well be late to a team meeting completely miss a game he might have done a few things prior to that
1: probably not all sunshine and raybones yeah and also
0: he hasn't scored in 11 appearances for everton He's started four times, and in his last start, he was subbed off at halftime against Watford. So I actually think, I think there's been a bit of noise about him going back to the Serie A in January, and that would not surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm, su- I'm surprised. Like we talked about him potentially coming in, he scored like seven goals in five games for for Juventus at the end, back end of last season when the title was. won. We were excited about him coming. We were, we were, because he looked like he was going to be the next thing for Everton, and they looked like they. They, you know, although it was premature, that they snatched, snatched him up for a pretty mm. reasonable price, considering that. And added to a really potent attack. Yeah, what we thought was potent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it seems like everything's sort of gone downhill a little bit for, um, you know, Everton in the attacking department so far this season. But Moyes Keane look clearly not hitting it off. Might 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 benefit from a move back. Yeah, you know what I mean, maybe, something maybe. That a bit familiar. He came up through the system at Juve. Knows the Italian game very well. That work.
0: Might work for him Who knows? Might best for both parties Everton cut their losses Anyway Woody I reckon that's Pretty much all we've got time for it's Bang just bang you bang and me Sure again. is mate I, I must say I've thoroughly enjoyed myself Yes It was very good And if people want to get involved Where can they find us? They
1: can find us On Insta At Premier League Nightclub And On the Twitter At
0: EPL Nightclub We are We are on All sort of platforms uh, For podcast related platforms That is So make sure to give us Give us a rating You know, the the rating helps. You leave comments. It's always good to get some feedback. So that's always important. We will, of course, do our best to get back to you and get you involved on the podcast if it's a good enough comment.
1: Yeah, 100%. Our uh, Insta at the moment, our goal of the week, uh, especially the Fabinho one this week, uh, was absolutely popping off. Same with our tweet demo. We got some great feedback. And and look, question of the week. It's popular. popular. It It is is very popular. It's going to be a thing. Yeah, and if you get involved, we'll make sure to get you involved as well on the podcast. Drop your name, drop your opinion, and we'll see what we can do about it. So,
0: Damo, I reckon that's,
1: uh, let's put a bow on this one. Yep, it's
0: just about it, isn't it? Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> you honestly, <laughs> you are the rarest bloke I know. I am You are everybody the on. rarest bloke I, I
1: know. I am oh. Anyway, see you guys. Tune in next week. Team of the Season review yet again. B beak. See ya. See ya.